Hi, and thank you for tuning in to McDowell Mountain Community Church's podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you can be notified when we upload our latest message. We hope the message you hear today is encouraging to you as you navigate your week. Be blessed. The weight of words. It's one way of just saying your words matter. Your words matter. Next few weeks we're going to be looking at that. But here's a verse of scripture I'm going to give you, and I'd like you to memorize this. In your journal, it's in a little more um, updated paraphrase, but I like the old-fashioned, the old not King James quite, but New International that says, the tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let me help you with this for a minute. The tongue has power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You want to try that with me? You got to move your hands. It's okay. If, or lift your, lift your neighbor's hand if you want to. Ready? The tongue has of life and death. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Power. The tongue. The tongue. I don't know if you've recognized, we're a nation of talkers. We love to talk. For entertainment, we have talk radio and talk television on all kinds of things, sports and politics, food, home improvements. And if you just don't have enough of talk radio, There's a gazillion podcasts out there on everything. We just talk and talk and talk. And you talk and talk and talk. Average American will spend one-fifth of their life talking. In one year, you probably will talk enough to fill 66 books of 800 pages full of words. If you're a male, you will average about 20,000 words a day. If you're a female, you will average at least 30,000 words a day. No, no comment, no comment from me. I know that, because re-engage starts. uh, (laughs) I've learned a lesson or two in that. We can often put uh, our foot in our mouth when we try to talk. Charles Swindoll, an old-time preacher, radio broadcaster, author, told a story one time of of a stock boy in the grocery department back in the produce section, and a lady comes up to him and says, Uh, Excuse me, sir, I would like to buy a a half a head of lettuce. And he looks at her and goes, what? I would like to buy a half a head of lettuce. God made whole heads of lettuce. We sell whole heads. He said, she goes, after all the years I've been here as a shopper and all the money I've spent, you won't sell me a half a head of lettuce? He goes, oh, just a minute, I'll go check with the manager. And so he goes to the front of the store, finds the manager, and he goes, there's this kooky, crazy lady that wants to buy a half a head of lettuce. And the manager goes, 
And he turns around and she had followed him up there and standing right behind him. And he goes, and this wonderful lady would like to buy the other half. <laughs> and <laughs> so later the manager goes to this guy and says, man, that's some quick thinking on your feet. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Good night. Where'd you learn to do that? And he goes, well, I, I was raised in Grand Rapids. He goes, you know Grand Rapids. Some of the best hockey teams in all the world and some of the ugliest women. And the manager goes, my wife is from Grand Rapids. And he said, well, what hockey team did she play for? We, we got to be careful with our tongues. They get us in trouble all the time. The tongue has the power of life and death. And he who loves it will taste its fruit. I want to go through the book of James chapter 3 a little bit in this outline of this proverb. James talks about the tongue more than anywhere else in the New Testament. In fact, every chapter in James talks about the tongue. You can see the weight of our words, and you can see the weight of how our, our words matter. The power of the tongue. First thing is the tongue is, is small, but oh, so powerful. It is oh, so powerful. I mean, it's just a tiny little thing compared to the, and, and, and most of the time it stays hidden. I mean, you don't usually go around with your tongue hanging out. Some of you do, but that's another story. But it's not like our nose, which everybody sees. It's not like some of our ears that, you know, kind of are there. It's, it's so small, but oh so powerful. And the impact of it is huge. Don't underestimate the power of the tongue just because it's small and, and seems like, insignificant. And in the third chapter of James, verse 3, he starts to, to list some metaphors that, that really get you an idea of what the tongue is like. Verse 3, he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal around. And then he says, although they are, are so large and driven by strong winds, take a ship as an example. They're driven by these winds and they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Relatively small, this wild beast of an animal, this horse, this stallion, so much potential, so much power. And in the wildness of it, in the beauty of that freedom, there's, there's, there's like, okay, let it roar, but... but if you really want to purpose that horse, if you want to accomplish something with that horse, if you want to do something with that horse, you, you put a bridle bit in it and you, you tame it and then all that power is set to do strength. And a lot of times in our life, we, we live with this misdirection of life. We don't know which way we're going or what we're doing and we're living it powerful with all this potential and opportunity. And some of you here are some of the most powerful people with, with businessmen and businesswomen and medical field and educational field. You have all this strength and power, but you're missing the purpose still of what God has put you here for. And God says, I've got this purpose for you and I can I can govern you and lead you and direct you to make your life ultimately significant and give you purpose. But you might have to change the way you talk. 
an unbridled mouth wastes all that potential, scratches it off. In fact, over in the first chapter of James, it's not on the, on the screen, verse 26 says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. And here it is, his religion is worthless. Even us good old church people, when our tongue is unbridled, scratches out all the religion that we want to talk about and we think we have. And he says, well, take a ship for example, a little itty bitty rudder con compared to the rest of the ship. You know, get a big cruise ship, acres and acres and acres and acres of steel on the water, a hotel, restaurants, casinos, theaters, workout rooms, which not many people go to, but it's, they're there. And, and whatever the current, whatever the waves, whatever the wind, the pilot is able to steer that boat no matter what. That, with just the little rudder, take the rudder out and it's, it's a problem. Sometimes we get shipwrecked with storms. Sometimes, sometimes the winds and the currents of our, of our day to day take us off course and we just go round in circles and we go nowhere. We don't know where we're going. And James says, let me just tell you about the power of the tongue. Let me tell you about being uncontrolled and who you are. And, and, then he, and then he says, this, this is, you know, is kind of like dealing with you. Your potential, your direction, your purpose has a lot to, your tongue has a lot, more than you ever think about, it has a lot to do with it. But also, consider a small spark, he says. Consider just a, a, just a little flame and put that in a great forest and it's set on fire. A forest fire starts from just a little, smart, a little spark I mean, in Arizona, we have some of the most beautiful forests, largest forests in, in the whole nation. And we know in the summer what it's like when a, a spark hits. Sometimes it's from a, a lightning bolt, but often it's from a careless camper. California, Northern California, about burned down a couple years ago, and it was from a, a spark that came from a chain that somebody was dragging a trailer with, and it hit and caused a spark and caused the whole fire. If you ever go up to the Northwest and have a chance to drive down the Columbia River Gorge, one of the most beautiful places in the world, a few years ago, hundreds of thousands of acres blackened because somebody shot some fireworks off in the forest. And, whew, and what James is saying, let me just tell you, the impact of your words not only affect you and your destiny and your dreams and who you're all, it affects a forest of people. The impact is on others from your words. Your words. Why do I stand up here and every time I get a chance say something about re-engage? Because no one else will. But, <laughs> but I know this. The impact of your marriage for some of you is being deeply affected by your words, by your words to one another. And if we can get you talking about the right thing and speaking the right thing, speaking godliness to one another, it will change your marriage. And the forest of your marriage to your children, to your grandchildren, to your legacy will be different because your words are different to one another. That's why. 
Don't underestimate the power of the tongue. It's small, but it is oh so powerful, oh so powerful. Tongue is not only powerful, but it's, here's the power. It's the power of life and death. Life and death. You can go all the way back to the beginning, the very beginning. Genesis, the first chapter, God speaks. And when God speaks, he doesn't just give commentary. He doesn't just give information. He doesn't just give discussion. He speaks and he gives life. He speaks in that first chapter and he creates. He speaks in that first chapter. The first day, he, he, he creates um, day and night. Second day, a dome of sky that separates with the waters. The third day, uh, separates the waters from the land. Speaking and creating as he does. And then as it starts over again in day four, he goes back to the day and night and he sees the the. the the void that is there and he starts to put things and he puts the sun and the moon and the stars in there. He fills the void and the next day, the fifth day, he sees that this dome of sky can be filled with birds and the waters can be filled with, with fish of all kinds and he fills the void of what he's created and he goes to the sixth day and he sees that this land is now different from the water and there's still a void there and so he makes living things of all kinds. He creates and he adds and he lies and then he finally puts man in there and he sees man and then he gets takes from man and makes woman and, and then he starts to bless them and this chain reaction starts to go that when God speaks, he gives life and in the life that he gives, he fills the void and as that chain reaction goes on, it's blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing that he passes on. The third chapter, we're introduced to a serpent who also speaks. Speaks to that same man and woman, Adam and Eve. Ah, don't listen to that. Nah, that's not going to help you. This will be better for you. And what in the end it does is lead to death. And his words change the, the trajectory of their life in the garden. And she starts to speak and she deceives him. And he starts to speak and he blames her. And together they start to take what could be a blessing and they this chain reaction of curse after curse after curse, the very curse of humankind in this garden, the fall that comes. And we see from the very beginning that God spoke life, the serpent spoke death, and these two chain reactions continue on through all of history, and they've landed at your doorstep. And you have one tongue, and you have two natures. And you can choose life, or you can choose death. The tongue has the power of life and death. James says, what will you choose? In that sixth verse, it says the tongue is a fire. It doesn't say the tongue is like a fire. The tongue is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of, of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. Start to read that and you go, Ooh, what in the world? James is going, Yeah, if we have if we have two different natures and we can go life 
or we can go deaf. Let me just tell you, if I'm a betting man, James would say, I'd say you kind of lean toward the death part just naturally. And you go, well, you're saying naturally that I'm a sinner? Yeah, yeah, you're born that way. That's what happened in the garden when you fell. And so that every time you choose between life and death, our natural nature, until God comes and gets a hold of it, our natural nature just is death. It's just where we go. And if you're not bridled by the Spirit, and if you don't have, you don't have the, the control of the Spirit, you just, you just go there. And there's, there's something about this chain reaction that starts to happen. And, the, and he, this world of iniquity, this world of evil, I like the King James, the world of iniquity finds itself in expression in our tongue. So this Adam and Eve that fell in the garden, this original sin that gets poured down to us, all sin eventually comes out through our lips. Think about it for a minute. If you're angry, expression comes out through your tongue. Prideful, yeah, it'll express itself in your tongue, in your words. Lustful, it'll, it'll come out in your words. Revenge, bitterness. I mean, you, go through, you can go through whatever. It just finds its expression in our words. And, it, and he says it's, it corrupts the whole the whole part, our whole life is set on fire through this corruption. And it, you just need to know, know where the source is. He said, it's, it's set on fire by hell. Where's the source of this death? The source is hell. It, the, the word that's used in the New Testament that Jesus uses is the word Gehenna. And Gehenna is, is the, there was a valley in, in, the, in the southwestern part of Jerusalem that um, back way thousands of years ago, the false prophets, false gods, false kings set up idols and they actually sacrificed children in this valley. And it became so reprehensible to the Jews that when King Josiah came and he started to cast out the idols, they started to bury over this valley of Gehenna and they started to just empty all their trash, all the garbage, all the junk. It all ended up in this valley of Gehenna and they would burn their garbage and they'd burn trash and even with their dead people, instead of burying them, they'd just throw them on that and the place stunk and it was smelly, it was horrible. There was this flame that was continually burning, the smell of the flame that was continually burning. And when Jesus says, if you wanna know what eternity is without God, Gehenna, hell, that's what it's like. I don't know what it wants to look like, I don't know, but when Jesus says it's like Gehenna, I don't want that, and, and James says Gehenna is the source of your tongue that wants to speak death. It's Satan using your words to steal, kill, and destroy your soul and your heart and the ones you love the most. It's Gehenna. Some of you, some of you live with Gehenna in your heart right now. Some of you have heard Gehenna, words of death. Even as a child, you've heard words as a child growing up and it's, it's rocked your life. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. I wish you weren't born. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're not like 
so-and-so. And now we are adults. And the smell of Gehenna still follows us. Somebody has spoken death over us. Power of life and death in our words. Why do I mention re-engage every now and again? Because recently, two couples, very close, very close to us, very close, split. We don't know if they're going to survive. One of them I can remember saying, hey, why don't you come to re-engage? It's too long. Really? It's too much work. Really? That's what I want to say to him now. Really? Have you ever done anything to intentionally grow your marriage? Speak life to one another? Now? Now how long is this going to go for you? Second couple finding out that one of them's been unfaithful. And they said, the wife kind of knew what was going on. She's been abused for the last five years at least. Abused. I know these people. You're talking physical abuse? Oh, no, 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 no. Sexual abuse? No, 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 no. It's, here's it was just verbal abuse. Just verbal abuse. Words have the power of life and death. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No, they won't hurt you. They'll kill you. Power of life and death. You know, the, uh, the tongue all starts from inside, from the beginning. I, I get a, a kick out of verse 7 that says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. We've tamed Lassie and Flipper and Flicka gentle Ben, Arnold the pig, snakes, horses, bears, lions, tigers, even fleas have their own circus. We can't tame, we can't tame the tongue. We can't tame the tongue. The reason is it's, it's not just the tongue, it's, it begins within us. You ever go to the doctor and the doctor says, Stick out your tongue and say, ah. And they look at it, and they can, they can look at our tongue and tell there's something wrong on the inside. Isn't that amazing? Maybe we should do that in the church when you walk in the door. Stick out your tongue. 
Some of you, we don't even have to ask. We hear you coming before. There's something on the inside that's, that's deep. It's all, it's about the inside. Often in, in Hebrew literature, if you go to the verse before or the verse after a verse of Scripture, it gives some insight. In Proverbs, the 18th chapter, verse 20, says this, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with harvest from their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has power of life and death. Goes into the verse, next verse. From, from deep within, are, we're filled and we're satisfied. Satisfied may be a good term, may not be a good term. Some of us are satisfied to speak death. That's just the way I was raised. That's why my, I was talked to that way. And I, we're satisfied with that. Others of us are not satisfied until we're speaking life. Speak life. What satisfies you? Are you satisfied with that? Well, you know, I don't speak death all the time. I speak life some of the time. I speak death some of the time. Well, let's look at James a little bit more in verse 9. He says, you know, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. It's like, look deep inside you. You can, you can paint the spout all you want, but if you have salt water, it's not going to give fresh water. If you, you'll know the water by the source of where it comes from. You'll know the fruit of a tree by what kind of tree it is on the inside. You're not going to get different fruit. Then you're, you're going to know what your heart is all about by what comes spewing forth from your tongue. And we're going, well, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and I'm just, you know, I'm wrestling with life, death, and, you know, God help me and pray. And James just goes, it shouldn't be that way. It's a bigger deal than you think. Because the tongue has the power of life and death. And if you're satisfied, if you're filled up with, with the fruit of what is coming out of your mouth and the effect it's having on your family, on your marriage, on your kids, your grandkids, your church, your small group. Your, if you're satisfied with that, it shouldn't be that way. Jesus said, out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. You ever catch yourself? I do. And then this verse of scripture always nails me. I can almost hear the audible voice of Jesus. I go, Ugh. I can't believe I said that. I don't know where that came from. Jesus would say, I do. Came from your heart. I didn't mean that. Oh, I don't know where that, I'll tell you where it came from. Came from your heart came from your heart. When I was a, a younger pastor, 
we had just moved to Phoenix, pastoring North Hills Church, which is the mothership of our church, before we came out here and planted this. Um, there was a woman in that church named Mamie Mooney. Mamie was an elder lady, elderly lady. She was probably like my age now. <laughs> she seemed old. Mamie was one of the sweetest ladies I have ever, ever, ever met. Ever. Smiled all the time. Friendly. Always so accommodating and welcoming and wanted to always come up and talk and give me a hug and always invite me to come over for some, some of her homemade pie. Oh, pastor, I make some pretty good pie. So one day I took her up on it. She said, what, kind's your, what, what kind of pie would you like? And I said, well, what's your best? Pecan pie. My pecan pie. Whoa. I said, okay. She goes, well, what's your favorite? I said, I kind of lean towards like cream pies, you know, chocolate cream pie and banana cream pie. She goes, do you just come over on Tuesday at 3 o'clock or whatever and I'll have some... So I go over there visiting, and she has pecan and chocolate cream pie. And I'm telling you, oh, heaven's going to be Mamie Mooney with her pies coming. So, so I was telling one of, the, one of the men in the church about that. I said, uh, man, Mamie Mooney is about the sweetest woman. I said, she'd been in this church forever. Like, was, you know, what's the deal with her? She all, and, and the pie, and he goes, oh, she makes great pie. And oh, she's a sweet. But she goes, you know, he goes, you know what, Pastor? She wasn't always that way. What? He goes, she used to be able to just open you up with her words. I mean, she would cut you up one way and down the other and lay into you. And I mean, she would, people would see her coming and walk the other way. Mamie Mooney, come on. He goes, ask her about it sometime. So I was sitting with her on a Wednesday evening, and I said, Mamie, um, before you invite me over for some more pie, um, I would... Have you like always been happy and pleasant and 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 she looked at me and she had these she had these really big old eyes and she looked at me and she goes, Oh pastor, no. She goes, You wouldn't recognize me years ago. She goes, I was so critical. I, w I was bitter. I just let people have it all the time. People people didn't even want to be around me anymore. Well, what happened? She goes, you know what? I got tired of myself. I got tired of myself. And I started to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, fix my heart so I can fix my tongue. Whew. That has stayed with me for a long time, all these years. Lord Jesus, fix my heart. Oh, I don't need to turn over a new leaf. I need a new life. Fix my heart so I can fix my tongue. I want to give that prayer to you today along with the verse of scripture that you just memorized and learned. And I wonder if you want to pray that this new year. Lord, fix my heart. Change my heart. Flow fresh water into my heart. So I can change my tongue. Because your words matter.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your life-changing power that comes on the cross. You speak life to us. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, and you continue to speak life. So much so that you paid the price that we would have life. That that old nature, that, that source of Gehenna that tries to rob us of, of that very God-likeness in our, in our image, you, you restore that. You redeem that. You forgive us, and you give us your spirit to put the bridle in our tongue, to put the, the rudder on our ship. We can't control ourselves, but we can be spirit-controlled. So today we pray, change our heart so we can fix our tongue. In Jesus' name, amen.